0: Okay, uh, I should have asked the host team uh, to lock the doors before, until we get through our uh, (laughs) introduction, just bear with me. Uh, We're currently in a series called Mimicking the Macedonians, and the series is about giving. Hopefully you've caught that big idea so far, the series is about giving. Uh, We started with Jamie's message a couple of weeks ago, Uh, what a generous God. He told us that when our situation or our circumstances feel too big, we tend to look to God for big answers. Uh, But we can miss the bigness of God in the smallest of blessings. Our God is incredibly generous. Our God wants to bless us. Um, We need to see what God is doing rather than hold on to our own expectations. Uh, Last week, Pastor Phil talked about Holy Spirit disruption. Uh, on pentecost sunday the holy spirit broke into the lives of the disciples and the church was born we can't do what we do today without the work of the holy spirit and we've just had evidence of that as the holy spirit was moving as the holy spirit was doing the work it's not the people who pray it's not the people who pray yes we are the ministers of god but it's the holy spirit anointing we can't live without that uh, he said that as God's word is preached, it can pierce the hearts of the listeners, turning them to repentance. And true repentance bears fruit in people's lives. And one of those fruits that we're talking about is generosity. But it's just one of the fruits, uh, generosity in the soul of the believer. And then last Sunday night, we looked at nine tools uh, for, uh, that we can use in the battleground for financial breakthrough it's interesting that when we look at financial breakthrough, we actually can just say breakthrough. Yeah. These are tools that we use in breakthrough in any area. Yeah. And while we're focusing on giving over this series, you realize that the things that we're talking about apply to every era, area of our life. It's just we're focusing on one aspect, one spiritual discipline, as David Mathis puts it, one habit of grace but there are more than just giving that we need to talk about. Uh, in, in case you missed that last Sunday, I'm going to read through all nine of these and do a bit of teaching. No, no, I'm not going to yeah, Get the podcast. Uh, we, we talked about peace, a spirit of adoption, removing offenses, breaking generational bondage, new paradigms, forgiveness of self, removing lies of limitation, hope restored, and extravagant generosity. Now, if some of those phrases you perk your ears up and say, hey, what, uh, what was that all about? Uh, have a look on the app. The notes are there, as well as the podcast, so you can listen and read along at the same time. I'd encourage you to do that. If you haven't been here for these series of messages, I encourage you to go back. Look at the ground, the road that we've already traveled together, and, and, uh, and keep on traveling with us. Now, this morning, I'm going to take a more pragmatic a more concrete approach to the subject. there. The title of my message is to tithe or not to tithe. That is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous preachers or to take up arms against the history of extortion and by opposing, end them to keep, to save no more. And by saving, we, t- we uh, by saving to say we end the heartache and the thousand, thousand offering plates that the flare is esch to, uh, that the flesh is heir to. 'Tis a conservation devoutly to be wished, to be wished, to keep, to save, to save perchance to keep. Aye, there's the rub for in that keeping or saving, what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause. Good old Bill Shakespeare said it pretty well. It's interesting, to keep, to save is talking about this flesh that we have and what will we say when we stand before the king of the universe and say, oh, uh, maybe I kept a little too much for myself. Maybe I was focused a little too much for myself. When we have shuffled off this mortal coil, what answer must we give to the King of the Universe? That's uh, a little bit of a downer, there, eh? Okay. <laughs> As the Kenyans would say, many of you are robbing God. You should stop. <laughs> a little too direct? Not for this culture? Okay. All right. Right. So go back a little bit. So I'm an engineer. Uh, well, in a previous life, I was an engineer. Uh, I like facts and figures, equations and diagrams and graphs. Those who know me well uh, will say amen to that. Uh, for those of you who are not excited by mathematics, I can pray for you later, This there's a special anointing that comes for that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the approach, the approach I want to take this morning is to follow the same approach that we would take uh, on our path to salvation. Now, the good news is only the good news if you know what the bad news is. So, the good news is only the good news if you know the bad news. All right? Uh, So, that's why we're going to start for the bad news. Now, in the next five minutes, I'm sure that there may be some people who feel like throwing things at me. Please, restrain yourself. I don't know how good your aim is, but if someone's sitting in front of you, you get something in the back of the head... Uh, At least I'll see it coming, and I'll be able to dodge. Uh, Although, uh, if my wife ever throws something at me, the best thing to do is to stand still, because her her aim is terrible. Her aim is terrible. All right. All right. There you go. Uh, Anyway, so just the facts. It's been said that the most sensitive nerve in the human body is the one that connects the heart to the wallet. Okay, so. So, we're going to start with some maths. Uh, The minimum wage in New Zealand is $17.70 an hour. Okay, Uh, There are nominally 2,200 work hours in a year. There are 240 people who call Zion home. Of those 240, we'd sort of have to estimate that maybe 50% of them are in the giving category. Uh, So if everybody gives 10% of their gross income, which is what we say is the tithe, who's good at maths? Who's going to come up with the answer? Lost the So 1770 times twenty two hundred times 240 times 50% times 10% gives us $467,000 a year that we should be getting into the church. Last year's income was just shy of $400,000. So, one of one or all of these numbers must be wrong. Either nobody's making minimum wage here, or maybe there's something else. Okay, it's gone quiet. All right, bear with me, bear with me. Okay, it gets better. Well, actually, no, it gets worse first. Uh, We haven't reached the bottom of the pit yet. All right, we're still in the bad news section. Okay, all right, so moving on, moving on. Um, we talk about giving numbers, uh, in the church, if you're, if you're new to church, you don't understand what giving numbers are, uh, we have the option of giving anonymously. Okay, So when you give to the church, uh, what, we, what we don't want to have is the people who are counting the offering uh, as actually seeing how much individuals give, because that's none of their business. Now, these days, most people give via uh, uh, online uh, banking, in which case it's not really an issue. Uh, Somebody has to manage that uh, and see those numbers anyway uh, to make sure that it goes into the right account so that at the end of the year, we can give you a donations receipt. That person who knows all of your details is me. Somebody has to know the giving numbers and the people to put them together, yes? Yeah. 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 Alright, so as I look around the room, if you feel that I'm <laughs> staring particularly at you, alright, all right. it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit <laughs> rising up within you, okay? Alright, okay, alright. So, so let's, do another, let's do another slide here. Uh, last year there are approximately 100 giving numbers if you take 50% of our income it actually comes from just 10% of those people who give wow. right 50% of our income comes from 10% of the people who give 95% of the income comes from half of those people who give 95% okay are you ready for the bad news Oh, that, that was the bad. No, that was the good news. That was, oh, no, that's not quality. Anyway, so let's do the math. Back to math class. It's like year 10. Uh, we need to have a little bit of an equation going on. If 5% of the people give us $400,000, how much do, does each one give? So we've got 5%. Uh, we uh, multiply that by uh, uh, 400,000, okay? We divide that by 50 uh, givers, because that's half we have, and then we divide that by 50 weeks. Now, I've used 50 because you're allowed to not be here for a couple of Sundays, all right? That's fair. I mean, that's grace. I'm extending grace here. Let's just acknowledge that. Oh, you can give online, though, but... Anyway, okay, so we're just going to date 50 weeks. Has anyone come up with a number yet? Uh, Two months. Okay, the number that we come up with at the bottom of the page there is... $8 a week. So half the congregation are giving, on average, $8 a week. Wow, Craig. Craig. We come to church to be encouraged, to be built up, (laughs) to be lifted out of the depressing state of affairs that we find ourselves in during the week, and you give us this. You may be thinking this is a surefire away that I'll never be asked to preach again. <laughs> Pastor Phil is making notes. All right. <laughs> that, folks, is my introduction. <laughs> now you really want to throw things or get up and walk out. An evangelist will tell you that you wouldn't finish a salvation message by saying, so we've determined you're all sinners and you're going to, t- and you're going to hell. No. Thank you for coming. Have a good day. That's just the bad news. We need to see some good news. Are you feeling peace and freedom and hope and extravagant generosity based on what I've shown you? you know, you're not, not, <laughs> not yet. They're <laughs> sweating. Okay. Are you thinking thoughts of self-justification? Hey, I'm doing my bit. Or self-condemnation? Hey, maybe I'm not doing my bit. Or are you just thinking that I probably won't make it out to family table? (laughs) My question, is it possible to to even recover from here? Oh, okay, good, good, because we've only just started. I've got another hour to go before the soup is hot, so uh, we should move (laughs) on. For those of you who are discerning, you will have noticed there's something missing from my introduction. More bad news? Scripture? You're right. God. Where is God in all this? These are facts and figures. These are things that we can, you know, you can go to the accountant in town who has nothing to do with God and he will tell you the same thing. Where is God in all of this? And you know, sometimes we can do the maths for ourselves and we can say, you know what, God's a pretty good mathematician as well and he's calculating and he's working out and he's going to tell me whether I've passed or whether I've failed, whether I've met the standard or not. Do you think God cares how much is in your bank account? Or how much is in the church's bank account? No, He's not interested in those sorts of things. The answer is no, because as we've seen so far this morning, this is the law, and the law kills. But the Spirit, but the Spirit brings life. This is the law, and the law kills, but the Spirit brings life to us. If we want to be people who just apply the law, we will feel dead. We will be weighed down with the things that we couldn't achieve, the things that we didn't do. But if we are living by the Spirit, and if we are keeping in step with the Spirit, as Galatians 5 tells us to, then we have a different outlook On these things. Too often we say, I should, I should, I should, I should read my Bible more, I should pray more, I should give more, I should serve more. That's the law talking. What happened to, I want to read my Bible more, I want to serve more, I want to give more, I want to see God move more in my life? Where is that desire that is on the inside that actually springs into action rather than action? trying to press us down so it's time to open up your bible uh, and i'm going to look at three examples of people who were tithing in the bible all new testament and all the bad guys oh Ah, oh, what? Hang on a minute. Pastor Phil wants a quick chat on the side. There, uh, he wants to say, hey, "Do you really want to say that? Do you really want to say that, like tithing's things a bad thing? You know, c- c- think about think about it before you say it." No, no, it's all right. <laughs> we'll see what see what we get to. So we're going to look at Luke 18 to start with. Not nervous. Not nervous. He's not nervous. He's not nervous. We're going to look at Luke 18 for a start. Now, if you've got your Bibles, I'm reading for the, from the NLT, but we're starting in Luke 18, verse 10 to 14. Luke 18, verse 10 to 14. In verse 10, uh, Jesus, the words of Jesus here, it says, Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. And the audience goes, ooh. ooh. Any Pharisees here? No, no. Okay, uh, any tax collectors? No, no, okay. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like the other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm not specifically looking this side for cheaters, sinners, and adulterers, okay? There's probably some over here too. Okay, uh, I'm certainly like, not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Fast twice a week, once for three days, once for four days, uh, and then he gives a tenth of his income as well. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you this, This sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The Pharisee in the story is relying on the fact that he's doing stuff. But he's doing the right stuff. You can't say, well, fasting is not very scriptural, is it? Tithing is not very scriptural, is it? The Pharisee is doing the right stuff, and yet he didn't go home justified. He didn't go home saying that I have done what I need to do because he missed a point. The point is not whether you do the right things. The point is, who are you doing them for? The point is, is this about relationship or is this about religion? God is not interested in the what and the how. He's He's interested in the who and the why. Doing these things is not helping the Pharisee His fasting and his giving is of little value if he has not valued first the relationship that he's supposed to have with God. The second example is from Mark 12. Mark 12, starting in verse 41 through to verse 44. In the King James Version, this is often called the widow's might. Not the widow's might, like M I G H T, they might do something, but the widow's might as in something very small uh the widow's offering in the nlt so verse 41 mark 12 41 it says jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money now you say that if i sit at the back and i watch people dropping money in the offering plate that is scriptural okay jesus did it no He he did he did can't be anything wrong with that I always like that. In the in the giving boxes now, we have, uh, especially when they start made of metal, uh, you have a little bit of piece of carpet in the bottom, yeah. So you just can't tell whether people's just dropping in coins. Uh, it used to be the offering plate goes past, you just give it a bit of a shake, and then no, no, no one's done that. I'm showing my age there. Okay. Uh, many rich people put in large amounts, and then a poor widow came in, dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Giving is not about equal amounts for everybody. When we talk about you know, proportional giving. The question is: Is it equal sacrifice if somebody on three hundred thousand a year gives thirty thousand, and someone on thirty thousand a year gives three thousand? Is that equal? The person on three hundred thousand a year who's given their thirty thousand has to live on a measly two hundred seventy thousand dollars. That must be difficult to you know to make ends meet. I mean, think about that. You know, two hundred seventy thousand a year. Sacrifice is not tied to the amount. We talk about 10%. We talk about the Old Testament as a standard, as something that, you know, placed in your heart. But it's about sacrifice. It's not about uh, the amount. And and Jesus is very quick to point out that these rich people, they gave lots of money, sure, but they gave out of their surplus. In other words, you know, I, uh, I won't go to Fiji four times this year. I'll only go three and I'm going to give that money to the church. I feel good about myself. Right? Sometimes we look at people and they give very large donations to the church and we say, ah, oh, look at that. You know, if, I only, if I had $10,000 to give to the church, that would be fantastic. They must be loaded. We don't know whether that $10,000 was saved up over the last five years, saving for a special occasion. And they really just felt God say, give that to the church. We don't know. We judge on the external. but God judges on the heart. The third example is where Jesus Himself talks about tithing. I love it when people come to the Scripture and say, you know what? Tithing is a New Testament principle because Jesus talked about tithing. Jesus talked about tithing. Matthew 23, 23, there it is, right there in the text. Jesus talked about tithing, didn't He? If you think this is talking about tithing, then you'll think that uh, verses 25 and 26 are about doing dishes. Let's have a look, Matthew 23. Matthew 23, says, what sorrow, uh, Matthew 23, verse 23. Oh, by the way, this is Jesus talking about tithing. And if you add up the numbers of the verse and chapter, what do you get to? 10. 2 plus 3 plus 2 plus 3? Well, 10%. It's about tithing, see? This is here in the scripture. There's hidden messages for us. It's all about the maths. It's all about the maths exactly right. There's a hidden code there in the Bible. Okay. Uh, back to Matthew 23, 23. It says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Oh, any Pharisees here? Did I ask that already? No. Uh, hypocrites. Jeez. See, uh, preacher, uh, Jesus preached pretty strong language too, yeah. so I'm in good company. Okay. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you... Ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So Jesus says you should tithe. question, to tithe or not to tithe? Jesus says you should tithe. Is that the context? Who's he telling to tithe? Hypocrites, Pharisees, leaders of religious law. That's he who's telling to tithe. And he's saying, well, you should tithe because you're under the law. Are we under the law? No, so he's not saying that to us. He's saying that to these people. But even then, when he talks about tithing, he's not talking about tithing. He's talking about their hard attitude. He's saying, you're doing these things because you're religious. You're doing these things because it makes you feel good. But what about the whole point of the law? Is love God and love others distilled down to a checkbook? So, the Pharisees, the bad guys... The point that Jesus is making is that even if you are fulfilling the law, which they were, all of these examples, they were fulfilling the law in this one area at least, but if you're doing that and you've missed the relationship aspects with God, then you have missed the whole point. God is not interested in the what and the how. God is not interested in what you do, how much you give, he's interested in the who and the why. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it to please man? You know, I stand up here and I say, you know what, the church needs your money. You should give. And you feel condemned. (laughs) No, no, the church needs my money. I should give something. No, that would be doing it for me. Don't do it to please me. (laughs) Who are we doing it for? We're doing it for God. Why are we doing it? Because we realize what God has done for us, and out of relationship with Him, we have a generous heart. The church has too often been, uh, been charged with the, the crime of daylight robbery. We're here to just take your money. In fact, when we, uh, Julie and I first got saved, that was what my father-in-law said at the time. Why would you bother going to church? They just want your money. That's what he said. Common view of the world. Uh, we were talking the other day, you know, uh, when we were in Kenya, uh, one of, the, uh, one of the, the locals there said to me, uh, we were just talking about our background, and I said I was an engineer. And he says, oh, you mean you could have had a real job and you're still a pastor? <laughs> <laughs> well, in their, in their culture, you know, pastor is like I failed at everything else but I can be a pastor, right? And actually, most of them go into it because it's like, well, I can run a shop, I could uh, do a trade, or I could be a pastor. It's about the income, it's about the business uh, aspects. Okay, so that's giving under the law, but we aren't giving under the law, we're giving by the Spirit. We're people who need to give in the Spirit. Back to Galatians 5, we want to keep in step with the Spirit. In the area of finance, what does that look like? Now, these three passages we're going to look at should be familiar to you by now. The first one is 1 Corinthians 16. Hopefully, over the last couple of weeks, you've had a chance to have a look at this. If you haven't, uh, please uh, get one. It's just a little card that talks about 1 Corinthians 16, two verses and says there's seven principles that comes out of those two verses that we should look at when we are uh, looking at giving, when we're looking at our giving on a regular basis, uh, we're looking at the giving that we do in church, how should it look? And 1 Corinthians 16 gives us uh, some clues to that. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 to 4. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatians church to do. The Galatian churches, I should say, not the Galatians church. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them them with your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. On the handout, we talk about those seven principles, and I'm not going to go through them now uh, in any detail, but we realize that our giving needs to be regular. It's for everyone. Everyone should have an opportunity to participate. Isn't that an interesting word? Not be corralled, everyone should, but everyone has an opportunity to participate. Uh, Your giving should be intentional. Intentional. This is an interesting one. We don't have time to unpack it now, but intentional. Does that mean setting up an automatic payment and then forgetting about it? Be mindful of the things that you're doing for God. It's not about an activity. It's about a relationship. Be intentional. Proportional. Plan for. Used effectively. And that's the responsibility of those that you are giving to. Are they using what you give Effectively. And the last one, stewarded well. Same sort, of, same sort of thought there. So there's some keys to how we should give. Now, this is what we call a didactic passage. This is a teaching passage in the Scriptures. Paul is not just saying, oh, for you, Corinthians, this is what you should do. But no, this is a message that he's teaching to all the churches in Galatia. So it's not just for that particular time. We use it in our context and the second passage, just one, chapter, uh, uh, one book over in 2 Corinthians, uh, we're going to look at verse, uh, chapter 8, 2 Corinthians 8, verses 5 to 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 5 to 8. They, talking about the Macedonians, which we are talking about uh, through this series, even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it to the eagerness of other churches. Oh... Just when you thought you were out of the woods. <laughs> stabbed you back in. We have Paul telling the Corinthians, and by extension, us to mimic the Macedonians. That's what he's saying. He said, they're doing this. That's good. You should do it too. Yeah. He's holding them up as an example to us. And a couple of key points to remember here. The first thing the Macedonians gave themselves to was God. Why did they give? They first gave themselves to God, and out of that, they gave themselves for Paul and his ministry. And there's that key phrase in there, just as God wanted them to. Not because Paul told them to, not because they heard an exciting message on teaching, on giving, I should say. You know, this message that stirred their hearts, and now I feel I want to give, just as God wanted them to do. Paul goes on to say, the ministry of giving is only one ministry. We talk about those keys of breakthrough. It's not just in the area of finance. It's in the area of relationship. It's the area of emotion. It's the area of, uh, uh, of Bible reading, of study, of meditation, of prayer. Paul lists a few things there uh, in the passage, and he says, you have, you're already excelling in these things. I want you to just bring giving up to that level. Don't say that giving is the best, the most important. Somehow it is elevated above all others. I don't care whether you read the Bible, I don't care whether you have a devotional time, but as long as you give, that's okay with me. Keep in step. And Paul, of course, is saying, I'm not commanding you to do this. This is not a a, a mandatory obligation. You know, in the Old Testament, in in the Jewish times, it was a mandatory thing, tithing was mandatory. It was part of the law. They were under the law. And you know what they had to do? They had to implement something called the temple tax because people weren't giving. Interestingly enough, they, they implemented the temple tax because people weren't doing what they were supposed to do under the law. And this, the, the problem is that when we get to that situation where we say it, it's a law, we start to think of our, our giving as tax, which is a really bad connotation. Unless you're anybody from the government, which case is good? No? Okay, all right. The third passage, uh, oh, sorry, uh, Paul uh, goes on in verse 12. He says, whatever you give is acceptable if, it's conditional, not just whatever you give is acceptable, but if you give it eagerly or willingly. And our our famous verse, uh, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. But it's an idea we need to give, we need to give eagerly. We need to give willingly. This is not extortion. It sometimes feels like extortion, doesn't it? Sometimes you hear messages, and it's like, you know, we're going to preach about giving over a long period of time. We're going to repeat the same message over and over again, and and use emotional manipulation. There's a word they call that in the world. It's called brainwashing. <laughs> Trying not to think about that too much either. Okay. The last passage, 2 Corinthians 9, said, we're not trying to brainwash you. We're trying to set you free. Why do we preach on giving? Because when I look at the statistics, it says people aren't getting a hold of this principle in their life. That means there's bondage, and we want to see them broken free of that. That's why we teach on giving. That's why we teach this message, because we want to see people set free. It's not about saying, well, we have to teach this way because we're all looking for a pay rise amongst the pastors. We're not okay. Sorry, I must have missed that uh, meeting. Anyway, was your meeting. that was sorry. <laughs> it's a meeting. One writer. That's not the reason we want to see people set free. Second uh, Corinthians, the last passage, as I should bring this to a close. Second uh, Corinthians, nine verses six to fifteen. A fairly long passage but just to reinforce what we're doing here. It says, remember, there's a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly. And don't give in response to pressure. Paul's words. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the Scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. I won't read the last few verses there. Paul tells us in verse 7 that we decide in our heart how much to give. How do we do that? We do that in relationship with God. There's a perfect opportunity for Paul to say, decide in your heart how much to, how much you should give, and by the way, just a clue, it's ten percent. Perfect opportunity. He could have said that. He didn't. It's between you and God. It's out of relationship. It's the Holy Spirit coming alongside you because he wants to teach you, he wants to lead you. We heard this morning, lean not on your own understanding. We don't want to look at what we have. We want to look to God. Trust the Lord in all your ways. How we decide in our heart, we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, to challenge us, to convict us of righteousness. It's His job. We ask God, what do you want me to give and who do you want me to give it to? Giving is first and foremost a heart issue, not a head issue. It's easy to do the maths but the law kills, and the Spirit gives life. Paul also says that the purpose of blessing, uh, purpose of the blessing of God, is to bring a harvest of generosity. God gives us so that gives to us so that we can give to others. We don't give to get; we get to give. Okay, so we should be we should be saying the blessings that God has blessed me with should bring a harvest of generosity in my heart. And the result uh, in verse 12 are for two things, neither of them are for us. The result of our generosity is that others' needs will be met and they will thank God. And you say, where am I in that? Mm -hmm. Obedient? The third point we can take from that passage is that giving is part of our witness. It finishes off in verse uh, 13, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God, which is where it's due. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. So it's a hard issue. It's an issue of obedience uh, that we want to call you to. should try and land this somehow. It's difficult to do justice to teach in a subject like this in such a short period of time. Uh, You know, normally a three-day seminar would be just long enough for me. Uh, So come back with your soup and buns and we'll... No, no, we won't carry on. As a leadership team, as we look through the finances, we're realizing that this is is something that we wanted to bring to your attention, but not to beat you overhead with a stick, but to walk with you, to pray with you, to see breakthrough. You know, The whole idea of these prayers is not so that we would become rich. It's not so that we could have our needs satisfied. Because as a church, we're in the same place uh, as, as you as individuals. Who are we looking to to supply all our needs? Oh, it's the congregation. No, it's not. It's God. Where is our peace? Well, if everyone gives, I'll be peaceful. No, it's God. Okay? So, so as a church, we need to have the same spirit, the same culture in our leadership team as we're asking you to do as individuals. And so we're walking this journey together. Uh, there's, a, there's a joke that says, what do you call it when someone stabs you with a knife and takes all your money? What do you call when Someone stabs you with a knife? Takes all your money? Yeah. A mugging? A robbery? Yeah. Uh, Henk would say that's surgery. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it depends on whether you want to be stabbed or not. as to depend <laughs> on the outcome of that, surely. Yeah. Yeah. If you're paying for surgery, then you want to be stabbed with a knife. <laughs> Uh, sometimes you feel like you've been stabbed with a knife and someone's taking your uh, your money and it's not your will. Well, that's not the place that we want to be in. Uh, And it's often for those reasons that the church doesn't teach a lot on giving because we don't don't want to upset people. And yet we need to be confronted with the truth. But We need to be done in such a way that we we are loving people through it. But God has set some standards. He's asked us to follow them. It's our choice. He's given us that freedom of choice. Paul says that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Choose the beneficial stuff. Choose the stuff that will bring you freedom, that will give you life. Above all else, above all else, God wants to have a relationship with you. Putting everything aside... God wants to have a relationship with each and every one of you. And if by your giving you're saying, I'm doing my relationship part as I give, then you've missed the point. I give because I'm in relationship, not to establish or restore or protect my relationship with God. God desires your heart above all else. When he has that, everything else falls into place. Matthew 6.20 says, Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Amen. What we have done is handed out these cards. Uh, and uh, one of the things that was challenged is, what if I'm already giving? What if I'm already have, I already have a healthy relationship in this area? Fantastic that's great. We're not asking you, we're not trying to manipulate, we're not trying to coerce you to doing something. But sometimes there's a there's an opportunity where we say, you know, if you if God is uh, is telling you something that you make a concrete step and then you follow it up with the action. All right? Now, obviously for for us to take for, for me to give you a giving number, we need your details, which is why it's on here. But if you're in a place where you're not a regular giver and you want to be, you can just tick the box and hand it back in. So we're going to be doing this over the series. We're looking for a response. There's both the regular giving and there's the missions giving. If, if in your quiet time with God, He's challenging you in this area, then what we'd like to do just to understand where things are going or what's, what's happening is to get some feedback from that. Uh, If you put your phone number on here, you won't get a phone call from me saying, hey, you ticked the box, you typed in a number, I haven't seen that in my bank account yet. You won't get that, okay? Not from me, anyway, I'll delegate that to someone else. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you won't get that at all. That's not what we're here for. Okay? We want to walk with you. We want to pray with you. We want to help you see breakthrough in this area and in every area of your life. After all, if our heart is for God who gave everything for us, then what does that mean for us in response to that? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you give us an opportunity to participate in what you are doing in this world. Lord, we know that you can do this on your own. We know that that you don't need us, but you want us to partner with you in the things that you are doing. Lord, we know that you want us to be a part of your great mission, a part of seeing souls saved from an eternal life of separation from you. So, Lord, I pray this morning, even as we have spoken on giving in this particular area of finance, Lord, if there's an area that is people are feeling bound up, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would just minister to them in that area. Lord, if there's healing from past hurt, I pray that healing would come. Lord, I pray from a release from worry and anxiety, Lord, as people uh, give over to you and say, Lord, you need to do this for me. I'm, I'm, I'm giving permission, work in this area. So, Lord, I do pray, Lord, that hearts will be open to you. Lord, that that those who are feeling condemned, Lord, would shake that off and recognize that you're not there condemning them. You're not waving your finger. You're not the one who is telling them they're not good enough. But as you look through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, you see them as perfect, valuable, worthwhile people who you want to call into relationship with with you. Lord, we thank you for these things. We want to give you the praise and the glory for everything that we are able to do in and through you. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.